0: Romans chapter 13, here in the last section of the book of Romans that began in chapter 12, we'll go through the end of 16, is this, the idea of this is what the gospel looks like when it's in a life and it's transforming a life. This is the gospel displayed. These are people who have been transformed out of darkness into light. These are people who have been made completely new This is what a new creation in a person looks like. We began in in beginning in chapter 13 looking at how a new creation in Christ, a new person in Jesus relates to their governing authorities. That we submit to them because we revere Christ and we revere God above all things. And so obviously we submit to God before our governing authorities and when they oppose our governing authorities, but we submit to God and then we submit to our governing authorities. Because if they're doing their job right, um, they are for our good and for the good of humanity. And they also exercise God's wrath on his behalf. And so we, not only do we submit to them, but we give to them what they're owed, taxes. And then last week we began to look at the idea of not owing anyone anything. Being of short account, make sure you are not um, in, in constant debt. Except, there was an exception, except to be indebted to love your neighbor, and love other people at all times and never be complete in that task. Never feel like you've done your job and you've said, I've, I've loved enough. But instead, we have the obligation to keep on loving because love fulfills the law. It shows that we are um, believing that Christ is uh, good and that His law is good. And so that, that kind of is where we left off last week. And then This week, I want us to look at verses 11 through 14, mainly focusing on verse 11. But here, uh, this is the word of God. Let's hear what he says. It says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is God's Word. Verse 11, I'll read it again. This is where we'll focus this morning. said, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. And then it kind of flows into verse 12. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. It begins the the verse by kind of a transitioning phrase, a transitioning word, which different translations have differently. In the ESV, which I read, it says, besides this, uh, other translations use terms like... um, Whoop. knowing this, or um, whatever it may be, but the, the, the idea is, because of all of this, knowing this, besides this, not just be focused on this, because the idea is someone can be wrapped up in saying, well, it's all about just the love of neighbor, and, and as long as I can present myself on the outside like I'm loving my neighbor, then I've, I've done enough, and that's sufficient. When... It goes far beyond this. Besides this, and I think that phrase goes back to chapter 12, verse 1, where it talks about, you know, by the mercies of God, I adjure you to, to be transformed, to be renewing your mind. And so it goes back to there. And all the things that a Christian is supposed to be so far from chapter 12, verse 1, till now, besides this, you know the time, it says. You know the time that the hour has come. Free to wake from sleep. Interesting, that phrase, you know the time or you understand the time, it it assumes a lot. It assumes that you know something. It it takes that assumption in its own hands. What it does not mean to know the time and to understand the times is that you are trendy. To know the time and to, to, to be in tune with the time, to be aware of the time, does not mean that you know the latest news or the latest politics, or the latest fashion, or lingo, or applications. It's sad to me when churches and Christians desire, above all things, to be trendy. As soon as you get on the trend, and you get everything going, and you've learned the new lingo, and you've got the new fashion, it's already old. And you've spent all this time and effort and energy trying to be trendy and trying to look like everyone else and sound like everyone else. And guess what? You're late. And they've already moved on already. And so you've spent all this time and effort and energy on something that does not matter and will not count. Something that will not lead more people to Jesus and will not show them the truth. People who desire to be trendy are at a loss of focus. They're in the wrong Focus And so to know the time doesn't mean that you are being trendy. It means that you are vastly aware of what's going on around you and inside of you. And based on that, you know something's coming. To know the time is more something like an expectant mother. They know the time. They, they, they understand their current situation, their circumstance. So that this expectant mother whose water breaks... They understand, they've been able to interpret the time and what's going to happen. You know, the water breaks, husband and wife, they understand the time, so they get in the car, they respond accordingly. They drive to a restaurant, which is known for a slow service, and sit there. (laughs) And while they're sitting there waiting for their food, they plan their last minute vacation to Jamaica tomorrow. That's not what happens when you know the time. When you understand what is happening, it's because it's pointing to what's coming next. It builds an anticipation. Of course they don't do that because they understand what's happening right now. And what's happening right now means you should be ready for what this is saying. It indicates what's happening now is indicating that the day or the moment is nearly here. That's what happens when an expectant mother's water breaks The moment is almost here. So don't just go off and do whatever you want and do whatever you please. Understand the times. Know what's going on because it's going to change the way you act. If you know that something is at hand, something is so near, and you're not there yet, but you're in that moment right before, you're going to live differently. You're not just going to live a flippant life. So this passage says, besides, you know the time. It's assuming that we know. It's assuming that we have an understanding. It's assuming that we are aware of our surroundings, not the trends, not the news, not the politics, not the people guessing that this is the last year of the world and they've you know, drank the purple potion. It's not getting on all those bandwagons to understand the time and say, look, everything is pointed, may as well take the juice. It's not what it means to know the time or understand the time. It means that you are so vastly aware that we are in the end days that you are living like it. You're living like it. It's transforming you. If you know that the day is at hand when Jesus is coming again, you're going to live differently. You're not just going to live a flippant life. You're not just going to spend your life storing up in storehouses. You're going to be transformed. So when you know the time, you understand the time, you're going to be transformed. The time, as Paul says in other passages in other places in the Bible, in Galatians 1, he calls it the present evil age. To know the time is to know that it's not just about a new cycle or a current president or what's to come. It's about knowing the darkness of the current time. 1 John 2, verse 18 says, Children, it is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, he says, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. It's the last hour. He says, in 1 John chapter 2, he says, like we can look around and we can see, you're anticipating like the Antichrist, you know, the mark of the beast, and 666, you're anticipating that, and you're looking for that. He says, look around you. Understand the times There are many antichrists. There are many things and people and attitudes and sins in your life and in other people's lives that showing that the times are against Christ. It's here. It's not like we need to wait for that day to come so that we go, okay, Jesus is about to arrive. He says, it is now here. Understand the times that the present evil age is upon us. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it begins, well, the whole part of 2 Timothy 3 uh, and 4, show us what the times are. In four three, it says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions. If that's not more true of our time, I don't know what is. But the thing is, if you know church history, you could say that 500 years ago, that they we're filling up their, their, their salves and their pulpits with people who would just tickle their ears and tell them what they wanted to hear. The times are here. Like, that's a sign of the times that Jesus could come at any moment that people are just itching to be patted on the back, itching to hear what they want to hear, itching to hear that what they're doing is not that bad and that what they're doing is actually really good and, and, and God likes that. People are just filling up their circles of friends with people who agree with them so that they might be tickled. The time is coming, uh, Paul said to Timothy. In In 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5, he says, But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for peoples. Listen to this. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than of God, and having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Paul says avoid such people. If that is not a sign of the times, What's amazing to me is you could go back at any time in history and see that this is the times. The, the, the time is here. You, you know the time. You understand the time. You are prepared in this time because you know what the times means? That the hour is at hand. That something is coming. That this is the night and the morning will come. We're in the night. We're in this evil present age, so the morning's coming. Are you ready for the morning to come? This crazy... The, the, like, that was written 2,000 years ago, and you read it and you think, that describes my days. That describes it. Lovers of self. Like, I would say 50% of books now have the author as the cover. They love themselves. Lovers of self. Lovers of money. Why do you got cash stores on every other corner because people love money so much that they spend it, want more, spend it, want more. They're proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. All these things are just perpetuating and getting worse and worse as time goes on. And we know that. People are ungrateful, unholy. People don't even know what holiness is now. This is an era of unholiness absolutely even within the church. As, as Paul concludes this section, he says, like, This is in your church too. People are heartless. This one, unappeasable. People are never content. Never. Never content. You cannot appease anybody. doesn't matter what you say to them, they're still going to be offended. doesn't matter how you try to flake around, they're still going to be offended. You can't appease them. Don't even try. But you also can't appease the appetite. The appetite for all the stuff. People are never content. You can't appease them. They're slanderous. You just watch the news, read the newspaper. We've never been in a more slanderous time where people just drag other people through the mud, want them to be thought of poorly. I don't think there's ever been a time in history where every news station tries to slander, like not tries to, they do slander a sitting president or a, they don't do our prime minister just because he pays them, but um, in America, you watch the American news cycle and every single station is slandering that man. Whether or not they agree with him, whether or not they agree with his policies or they don't like his personality, no one is to slander another person. But they do. Day in, day out, they just drag his name, try to make him appear as bad or worse than he is. And that's not another person's job. We do a good enough job of making a fool of ourselves, you know, uh, and um, the president is that example. But he's not to be slander, but this is the time we live in. Slanderous. Next one is without self-control. No self-control. People don't even know what that means anymore. If it feels good, do it. If you want it, grab it. But they don't have self-control. No one can say no to themselves anymore. That's, that's the whole movement of everything, even in terms of the, the sexuality movement that has been just a complete revolution. In a matter of 10, 20 years, you've seen things go well, just bonkers because people don't have self control. They just embrace whatever comes their way, whatever feeling, inclination, whatever it may be. I'll have it because it must be good. No self control. People are brutal. They don't love good. They're treacherous, reckless. Swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god that 's evident having the here 's the most terrifying one, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. People who would sit in a church and appear to be holy, but they, they don 't know what that means they don 't even know Jesus Pharisees, 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 not only filling pews by filling pulpits, Pharisees, people who are not believers. Paul says, "Of these people avoid such people, because we know bad company corrupts good character. Well, these things are pointing to, when we are aware of them, they're pointing to our times. He says, the days are coming. He says, he calls these the last days. Do you know your times? Do you understand your times? And here's the thing. Even as you do watch a a news cycle, and even as you do begin to see things around you, you you should be seeing it through a filter. Not just like, this is uh, unexpected. But your filter, being the Bible, says, this is to be expected. Things will go from bad to worse. There's your filter. When it says, these are the last days. And so that filter should then change the way you live. As you see all that you see, it should change the way you live. You shouldn't just live like you have it a hundred more days. You should live like this might be the last. You're living in the last days. He says, besides this, you know the time. You, you see that we are in the last days, that this is the present evil age. He says, the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. The hour has come. It is here. It is time. Not, not going to wait around. To, to get right with God. Not going to wait around to strive for holiness. I'm not going to wait around to repent of my sin. I'm not going to wait. The hour has come to wake up. Wake up. There's a passage in Acts 17 in, in the sermon there. It says this The times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. He's fixed the day on which He will judge the world in righteousness. He says, God once was so gracious, He overlooked ignorance. But now, He commands everyone to repent. He's fixed the day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And He has given us assurance by raising Him from the dead. That is our Lord and Savior, Jesus. The hour has come. Like, it's here. You know, prior to Jesus coming, you know, they they could have maybe you know, dilly dallied, and said, well, we haven't seen the Messiah yet. But those who've had their eyes opened to see and behold that Christ has come, the hour is here. The hour is here where God's calling all people to repent, to turn from their sleepy ways, to turn from their blindness, their own self-reliance, to turn from their sin, and to wake up. To wake up. And to live for Him. Matthew chapter 24, it says, Therefore stay awake. Stay awake. For you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his house to be broken into. In the same way, therefore, you must also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He says, you do not know the day your Lord is coming. And and so then you prepare. You stay awake. Like, you don't know which hour. I love that image he gives. He's not saying that Jesus is a thief in the night. What he's saying is, you don't know when the thief will come, so what are you going to do? You're going to stay awake and wait for him. You're going to be prepared. You're not just going to go to sleep and just do whatever. You're going to prepare. If you know a thief is coming... If you know that in this time, you're going to stay awake with a baseball bat just to scare him off, not to hurt him, right? (laughs) But you're going to stay awake. You're going to be prepared because you know what's coming. So in the same way, he says, you don't know what time Jesus is coming. You don't know what day he's coming, what hour he's coming. Are you prepared or are you just sleepy? Are you just saying, you know what? I'll figure that out later. I'll read my Bible later. I'll get holy later. I'll tell that person about Jesus next week or when things get easier, when I understand a little more. I'll, I'll wait. He says, Wake up. Wake up. Like, do you realize the hour you're in? Do you understand your times? That you don't have any time to waste. If you had 24 hours to live, if you knew that you would die in 24 hours from now, what would you drop today? What would you drop tomorrow? What would you say? That will not make my calendar on my last 24 hours on earth, I'm not watching TV. I am not wasting time doing X, Y, or Z. I will not. And if I believe that Jesus is coming again and that He will judge uh, those unrepentant people, I'm going to spend my last 24 hours telling every person I know, Jesus is coming and you need to be made right with Him. There is a way of salvation, and it's through trusting Jesus. That's how I would spend my last 24 hours. I don't know about you. That's what this passage tells us. That's what so many passages repeatedly tell us in the New Testament. You don't know the hour of your death or the return of Jesus. And so, wake up. Wake up. Stop having your eyes closed to your times and thinking you got lots of time to burn. You don't. The hour is at hand. It could come in a moment. So, don't go sit at a restaurant with slow service when you know the baby's coming. Wake up. And act accordingly. Act accordingly. He says, besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than the day we first believed. He says, the night is far gone, as in, like, it's almost 6 a.m. The night is far gone, like, so much of the night is already behind us. Do you realize that? Like, it's not just midnight here. The night is so far gone, we are so close to the day you know what happens on the day? The judge comes. The judge comes. So he says, the night is so far gone, the day is at hand. So we live differently. In that day, it tells us in verse 11, it says, for salvation is nearer than when we first believed. A lot of times, you know, people might criticize the Bible and and, and we who say, We're in the last days, right? Well, oh, they said that 500 years ago. Well, they said that 1,000 years ago, that you're in the last days. Oh, what happened? And that's where Scripture says, don't confuse God's patience with Him forgetting about people. God's being patient, allowing people the time to repent. And, And in that patience, He's giving you grace. Another moment, another day in this dark hour for you to live before that day comes. Before the day of reckoning. Before the day of vengeance. He's given you another day. And so, be aware of it. Because salvation is nearer. It's interesting because you think, well, I thought salvation was when I confessed that I, that I wanted to live for Jesus. Then I was saved. I had salvation, didn't I? Yes, in one sense. God has rescued you from your sinfulness. And, and your record of debt is, is not standing against you anymore. But... Scripture speaks of our future salvation that one day in glory we will be fully redeemed. Our bodies will be redeemed. Our motivations, our longings will be redeemed. Our desires will not be sinful anymore. We will be saved from that. Rescued and ransomed from that. That's what we long for because our salvation is yes. Yes in Jesus we will belong to God because Jesus said it is finished. But... A day is coming where our salvation will be complete. And, and Romans uh, 8 tells us that, that all creation is groaning for that day. That all creation is eager for the redemption of the sons of man. For you and me to be made fully right, even in our motives, our attitudes, and our desires. That's the day of salvation. When God will fully make us new. That day's a coming. And he says that salvation is nearer now. That day is coming, is nearer now than when you first believed. That has a whole bunch wrapped up in it. It means you should be uh, more anticipating that day because you know it's closer. It's like, like a, again, an expectant mother. In, in the first month of her pregnancy, she, she's, she's not expecting the baby to come. But the closer she gets, she knows that it's nearer than when she first conceived. So guess what? She's going to be more prepared. In the first month of pregnancy, you might begin to start thinking about whatever, but in nine months, you better start picking names and you better start making sure the nursery's ready. When it's nearer than when you first began, your preparation looks a lot different. So when you think about your salvation, the, the final coming of Jesus and, and Him taking you to be with Him, how has your life changed? How has your salvation, since the moment you first believed in Jesus, you came to Him by faith because you said, I can't trust myself. I can't trust the sin that I'm in. I only trust it to condemn me forever. So you trust in Jesus. He rescues you from your sin, saves you. But now, now that your ultimate, final, glorious salvation is nearer, have you prepared any differently? Scripture says those who are saved do. They grow. They, they loved Jesus more. They have a greater affection for Jesus. They are, the Bible calls it, sanctified. Like, putting off old stuff, putting on new stuff. And we'll see that even as we go on uh, in the weeks to come. Even in this slight passage, it tells us those two things. Put off these things, put on these things. That's what a person who, who knows that salvation is near, who knows that the day is at hand, who is aware of their times, that's what they do. They wake up. They wake up. They open their eyes and see that this is the end. That I'm going to live like I'm dying. Such a good reminder. You are, you're dying and you could die tomorrow. So wake up to that and live like it. Don't store up like you got another 50 years in you. Live like today is your last day. Why not? It, it, it's, you will never regret that. Especially when you're living your last day knowing that Christ has regarded your helpless estate. He saved you. Well, don't you want that for your loved ones and your neighbors? Don't you want them to know the freedom of forgiveness? Don't you want them to know the joy of Jesus? Spend your last 24 hours like you understand the time. Do you know the times that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep? For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is so far gone. The day is at hand. So let us know our times and let us wake up. Let's pray. God, you are so loving and merciful and patient. In your justice and in your perfection, you could have destroyed us the moment we first sinned. But you didn't. And you allowed us to run rampant in our own sinful desires. You allowed us to think that we were in charge, that we were the gods of our lives. And we lived for ourselves. We trusted in ourselves. And then maybe we wanted to be a righteous person, so we started trusting in our own good deeds, our own self righteousness, all that we could do. But God, you crushed that. You crushed that, and we are so thankful. Because we could never stand. And knowing that the the hour is coming, you are so patient with us. You are giving us so many opportunities, so many moments to redeem, so many moments to be aware of what's happening around us, the evil present age, and what they need. If we truly say that we have Christ and you have truly transformed us, we know what they need. We know that they need to to come to Jesus and, and be forgiven. Because if they die in their sin, as as if we would have died in our sin, we would have been punished forever in hell. Apart from your favorable presence. God, we desire that not for anyone. So would you help us then to be people who are aware of our time. That we are prepared. That we are anticipating the day which is at hand. That we are vastly aware that the night is so far gone that it transforms us to live differently. God, we don't want to waste our time. We don't want to waste our lives and our moments in things that do not matter and will not last. Help us to invest. Invest all that you've given us. Be good stewards of our time and our intellect and our Bibles and our our fellow Christians and prayer and the opportunity to evangelize in this country still, God. Let us know the times and wake up so that we might utilize the time you've given us for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.